the message of Easter is he is alive. He is risen from the dead. He is not in the grave. He is alive. That is the message of Easter. Jesus Christ is alive. So here is the question. So do we live as if he's alive? Has that truth so radically gripped us that we live differently? Has that truth so radically gripped us that we actually live, we actually think, we actually respond and act and speak like we have a risen Savior? You know, today, now I have preached 13 Easter Sundays. Uh, Evidently, I had sandy blonde hair when I started that first one. But I have preached 13 Easter Sundays. There's been some awesome services. I can think about some tremendous, uh, glorious Easter services. But do you know that there's not been an Easter Sunday that the following Sunday's week's attendance wasn't down by half? Looks like that's going to hold true today as well. Now, I know it's not about church attendance. That really is a very small thing. But isn't that crazy? Really, maybe more than that, isn't that very telling? We come and we sing and we celebrate. He's alive. He is risen. He is alive. We, we celebrate. We have a Savior. The Lamb is slain. The Lamb has paid the debt of our sin. And He is risen from the grave. Redemption is secured. He is alive. And then we go right back to what we're doing. Friends, I just want to tell you today, that's ludicrous. That's honestly insane. Friends, today, this day, we have a risen Savior. And I'll just tell you, I don't want to go back. There's nothing worth going back for. And today's truth is this. For us as believers, for us as the church, Easter isn't the end. No, Easter is the start. For us as believers, it doesn't end with Easter, but it's just the beginning as we celebrate Easter. Today, our message is entitled, The Mission of Easter. I've preached on the hope of Easter, the message of Easter. Listen, today we're going to talk about the mission of Easter. John chapter 20, three verses, verses 19 through 21. John chapter 20, today verses 19 through 21. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence and the celebration of the word of God. John chapter 20, beginning here in the 19th verse. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful. We're truly thankful And we celebrate a risen Savior, a reigning King, our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that we have the the forgiveness of our sins today. I'm thankful that as we've placed our faith in you, we have a a clean slate. The righteousness of, of Jesus is imparted to us. 
I'm thankful that today we have a hope that stands, a hope that outlasts the cemetery, a hope that outlasts a closed casket. We have hope in a resurrected king and eternal life through that king. Lord, I pray today as we have assembled that you've been honored. I pray as, as, we, have, as we have sung your praises that your, your worth has been made known. I pray now as we hear from your word that you would truly speak to us. And I pray that right now it would be a supernatural event that you would speak to the hearts and the minds of your people. I pray, Lord, that we would be changed today in the hearing of your word. Lord, we trust this to you. Lord, I, I come and I pray if there's one in this room, maybe several that do not know you, I pray that today, this day, will be the day of their salvation. Lord, work in their hearts. Lord, we just come right now, we just submit this to you. We would hope and we would pray and we would ask that you be glorified in it. And we tell you with our mouths the reality of our hearts. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week was an Easter sermon. Well, today also is going to be an Easter sermon. Last week, if you remember, the, the, the verses reported the events of the morning of Easter. Well, today our verses are gonna report the events of the evening of Easter, this same day. Now, I think it's, it's pretty awesome as we think about that, that through the, the four gospel accounts, we can piece together the events of this day, this tremendous day. And so last week we looked at the report of the, of the events of the morning. Well, today we're gonna to see the events of the evening of that same day. And so let's begin today looking at the mission of Easter, the mission of Easter. Let's go to verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. The verse starts off and it says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. Now again, what an event-filled day. It starts when the sun comes up there at the grave there at the tomb and as they approach and they see that the, the grave is already open and now it goes to the events as the sun goes down and the disciples are all in this room. What a, what a tremendous day, this first day of the week. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the Bible continues, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, now, the original language, the Greek word for shut, could also mean locked. In fact, it probably meant locked. So the doors are shut, and not only are the doors shut, but the doors are also locked. And so they would pull the doors too, and they would also lock the doors. And it says, so the doors were shut where the disciples were. Now, it doesn't say exactly where they were, it could have been the same upper room that they were in the night of Jesus' arrest. And I think how profound that would be, how tremendous that would be to come back and, and have been in that room and to hear the words of Christ and to see the proceedings of all the, the last few days and to again be assembled in that room. It very well could be that they were back in that upper room 
We're not sure where they're at. The Bible tells us in the turn of events, the disciples minus Thomas have all made their way to join together. They've all made their way on the evening of this this resurrection day to, to assemble together. Now the Bible says this. It was for fear of the Jews. Be sure, they they did not assemble. Well, he's alive, he's risen. Let's let's assemble together and let's celebrate. Well, Jesus said he would rise again. Let's let's go to this place and let's, let's be together. They are there together with the doors shut for fear of the Jews. Now get the mindset here. The word is out that the grave is empty. If you were to go to the grave site, you would see the stone was open, and if you were to peer in there, you would see that the grave is empty. Well, just like any news, the word is out. Now, can you imagine those ladies come back into town, and they tell those folks who tell some other folks, who tell some other folks, he is risen, the grave is empty, the stone is rolled away. Well, the, the word is out. Now, see this. The Jews have killed Jesus. And in doing so, they believe they've killed the leader of this movement that was a threat to them. Well, the only logical thing would be to kill the rest of the leaders. Do you see that? This movement is a threat to us. This movement we can't let stand. We've killed its leader. The only logical thing would be to round up all the rest of the leaders and to kill them as well. If the goal was to be rid of this threat, then you'd want to be totally rid of the threat. You wouldn't want it to pop up in a week or two or maybe a couple months down the road. And so it is only logical as we've killed that leader, let's kill all of the leaders. Especially now with this rumor that Jesus is alive. Tomb is empty, especially now. And so understand, the disciples are terrified. They saw the crucifixion. I don't know if you've ever seen a gruesome event before, but they have, they have been witness to the crucifixion. They know the danger, the grave danger that they are in. And so they're in this room together and the the door is shut. And in this room, they are fearing for their lives. Now, they're not just there in bewilderment. I'm sure they're bewildered. They're not there just in great grief. I'm sure they're trying to understand the events of the, the last few days. But they are there in this room in the fear for their life. Every sound down the street, who's that? Every brush against the door is as someone might pass by. And who is that? Are they here for us? And they're in this room fearing for their life. And then the, the Bible says, the verse says, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Now, I did not know this, but there is some controversy as to how this happens. Some folks, and there's some, some giant scholars, they, they say that for sure he was physically resurrected, and that's what a resurrection is. It's a physical resurrection. And so they would say he is in his physical body. And so they say the doors supernaturally open, and he comes through, and they supernaturally 
close or shut behind him. And they would say that's the miracle. He is in his flesh. He is physically resurrected. So he approaches the door and the door supernaturally opens and he passes through and it shuts behind him. And they say that is the miracle. Others say that the original language, this original Greek says that the doors are shut and most likely locked. And so these folks say that he walked through the doors, that he came and he just walked through the doors. They're shut, they're locked. It doesn't say anything about them opening up. And so they believe the great miracle is Jesus walks through the doors. There are volumes written about this controversy. There's much discussion. I don't even know that was a thing. Now here's what I think. I grew up in Route 2 Vernon, Texas. I have a degree in agriculture and so I've got an expert opinion. Now here's what I think. I believe after being dead in the grave three days, dead in the grave three days, and walking out of that grave alive, I don't care how he gets in the room, the resurrection is the true miracle. That's what I believe. So friends, if the door opens and he walks through or if he flat walks to the door, listen, he is God himself. He can do whatever he wants to do, but I know the miracle is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says, and then he said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I was thinking about this. Maybe the greatest greeting ever. Now you've, you've heard some greetings and, and some funny greetings and some heartfelt greetings. Maybe the greatest greeting ever. The lamb who was slain, the savior for sin, the savior for sin, the victor of the grave, the defeater of death, the one that they saw crucified, the one that they saw gasping for air, the one that had died. He stands in their midst and he says, peace be with you. Whew, what a greeting. Peace be with you. Notice this. The first time Jesus sees these disciples gathered, the first word they would collectively hear him say after the cross is peace. Not blame, not disappointment. Where'd y'all go, Peter? Where'd you go? Not disappointment, not condemnation. How dare you? I told you these things. Not blame, not condemnation. The first word that they hear when they're assembled together on that side of the cross is peace. Friends, in our sin, our sorry, filthy sin, in our rebellion against God, and that's what sin is, in our shame, that we not only wear and build for ourselves, we heap it on him. And the damage that we do to, to, his, to his cause, today, listen, when we come in repentance, it's the same word, peace. Do you know if you come in repentance to Christ, it's not ridicule. 
Therefore, there is no condemnation. It's not condemnation when you come to Christ and say, you know what, I'm tired of this sin and I'm sorry of this sin and I did this sin and I'm sorry for the impact of this sin. It's not scorn for you. It is peace. Peace, it still stands. It is peace for you. Now, we're gonna come back to that greeting. Move to verse 20. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now again, get the mindset here. This is unbelievable. Now we've heard this and we've heard this, but this is not understandable. I want want you to think about a, a loved one that you knew that's passed away. And you've had the service and you've had the the graveside and you've moved on and maybe it's been a couple days. What if they were to stand in your midst? What if they were to stand in your midst? That's what this is. This is is not understandable. This is totally unbelievable. They saw him beaten. They saw him crucified. They saw him dead, not close to death. They saw him dead on the cross of Calvary, there for everybody to see. They see him dead. They know he's dead. And now he stands in their midst and says, peace be with you. Now they can't even imagine that. And so their mind starts to run through a list of possibilities. Now, that's what my mind would do. They, they can't imagine that, and so they start to think through all the possibilities. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a spirit. It must be a spirit that we're seeing. It must be a facade. Maybe we've been up too long. This is not a real thing. Maybe I'm seeing some kind of image. Maybe it's a dream. This can't be. But Jesus shows them both his hands with the nail holes and his side where the spear punctured him. Now listen to what Luke says, Luke chapter 24. Y'all remember Luke, don't you? Luke chapter 24, verse 38. And he said to them, listen to this. Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet while they could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. They're blown away. See his hands, touch his side, look at his feet. It is truly him and their joy and their amazement. It's unbelievable. Jesus shows them the holes in his hands and his feet and the wounds, the wound in his side. Now some say this is Jesus in his resurrection body, but it's not Jesus in his glorified body. Now there's some that teach that, there's some that say that, they say the, the resurrection body of Jesus, this is, this is his resurrection day, that it possessed these scars, these holes, and he's able to show them. And they would say, this is his resurrection body, but it's not his glorified body. And they say the glorified body of Jesus will bear no scars. 
The, the glorified body of Jesus in heaven will have no holes to show. He will have no man-made marks which will be visible in his body. However, listen, stay with me. In Revelation chapter five, John says this. By the throne, he actually says between the throne, I saw a lamb standing as if slain. He sees the lamb and the lamb appears as visible that he has been slain. And he hears the voice of many angels saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The cry in heaven, the worship in heaven, looking at the lamb, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Friends, listen. I believe those holes testify. I believe those holes testified to those disciples in that day. I believe those holes, those scars testify in heaven. I believe they testify to the grace of God. I believe they testify to the power of God. I believe those holes, they testify to the great love of God. Oh, do they testify. I believe those holes testify maybe more than anything else to the glory of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, they are nothing to hide and they're nothing to shrink away from, but I believe as we meet Jesus, sinners saved from the curse of no work of our own, we can look to his hands and we can see the cost of our redemption. And we seeing those holes, I believe we're gonna join the worship of heaven and we're gonna say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And the holes are gonna testify to the grace of a risen savior. I believe maybe the most glorious thing in heaven is a savior who's there, who is God himself, Jesus, and there in his hands, and there on his feet, and there on his side are the marks of man's rebellion, the marks of man's sin that he came and he conquered, and the most glorifying thing I believe in heaven are the scars on Jesus himself. Can you imagine 2,000 plus years later now, that he has the marks of my sin in his hand. Glory to God that he carried them far away. Praise the lamb who was slain. Doesn't that make sense to worship in heaven? Praise the lamb who was slain. Praise the lamb who took our sin and carried it far away. You know what the disciples do? It says this. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. You better believe they did. I, I can't even imagine that. They've seen him crucified. They know the threat they're under. They're terrified. They're listening for their own death, honestly. And Jesus comes and says, you know what? I died. Death didn't hold me. I died, and, and you know what? I am the victor. And it says when they saw his hands, they rejoiced. Great verse. Our last verse, 
verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Having shown them the holes, the scars in his hands, Jesus says again, peace be with you. Now I want you to get this today because this is being distorted today. Now I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to get this today. Be very sure. Jesus did not come and go to the cross to give you wealth. You, you may have wealth and the blessing of God, or I'll tell you, you may not. But Jesus didn't come and go to the cross to give you wealth. Let me tell you something else. Jesus didn't come and he didn't go to the cross to give you health. You may have health and the blessing of God, or I'll just tell you, you may not. But he didn't come to give you that type of health. Jesus doesn't come and go to the cross to give you comfort. He doesn't come and go to the cross of Calvary that you'd have self-esteem, and that's one of the main cries of this day. Oh, we'd have self-esteem. He didn't come and go to the cross that you'd have self-esteem. He didn't come and go to the cross of Calvary that you'd have a great purpose in life. I want to tell you, we have a great purpose in Jesus Christ, but that's not why he come. He didn't come and stretch out his arms and be nailed to a cross that you'd have a reason to get up in the morning. Jesus comes and he humbles himself and he goes to the cross to give you peace. Not just any peace, but peace with God through the forgiveness of sin. And so I want you to see this picture. He steps in this room and with the cross now behind him, with holes now punctured in his hands and there in his legs, back from the grave, the victor says, you can have peace. Do you see the picture? He steps in this room and there's fear and there's turmoil and there's guilt and there's sin and he steps into that room and he says, you can have peace. Hear me today, listen to me. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of sin, in the finished work of the cross of Calvary, by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, you can have peace with God. Oh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I pushed it. You don't know how great my rebellion is. Listen, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the gospel is you can have peace. We act like that's not enough. Honestly, don't we? We act like we have to dress it up. You can have peace with God, but you also get a new car. We act like you have, you have to dress it up. We act like peace with a holy God is not as good as, as worldly health and wealth and self-esteem or something else. Listen, you can have all of those things. I know some sorry people that have all of those things, but you can only have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1, don't take my word for it, Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't read that without remembering the words of Jesus in John 14. 
Peace I give to you, not as the world gives I give. Listen, we have peace with a holy God through the finished work of Calvary, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the verse then ends, and then Jesus says this, as the Father, this is a good day to hear this, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. This is big, this is big, this is big. Jesus actually says, in the same way as the Father has sent me, those are his words. Do you know the profoundness of God sending Jesus, the, the Father sending Jesus, in the same way I also send you. As the way the Father sent Jesus, in the same way Jesus says, I also send you. Listen to me today. Jesus was sent for an eternal cause. We are sent for an eternal cause. We can't go back. Do you hear the words of Jesus? He, he came for an eternal cause. We're, we're also sent for an eternal cause. We can't go back. Jesus came in, in Luke 19, 10 to seek and to save that which was lost. He now sends us to do the same thing, to seek and to save that which is lost. We can't go back. What would you go back to? We have an eternal mission. Jesus was sent to provide redemption through the cross of Calvary. Listen, we are sent to proclaim redemption through the same cross of Calvary. The truth is this, the work of Christ is forever finished on Easter as he walks out of that grave, but the work of his church is just beginning in that same event. Listen to me today, church. We can't go back. I can't go back. Only what is eternal is going to matter. None of this other stuff is going to matter. As he was sent, so we also are sent. We live differently because of the resurrection. We have a different priority set because of the resurrection. We have an eternal mission because we are sent of the Savior of the resurrection. We can't go back. The first words of Jesus to his gathered disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. And really, I, there's, I have two responses. Lord, I, I come and I see, again, the cost of my sin. There are, there are literal, actual holes in Jesus, the anointed Mark, Savior, Christ of God, because of my sin. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the, the rebellion of it, the disgust of it. I'm sorry for my sin. But I also see, maybe as never before, the victory over sin. That in heaven now they say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Lord, we, we praise you for victory over sin. We praise you for forgiveness of sin. We praise you for a clean slate. We, we, we praise you for eternal life, for victory. 
We echo that, that cry, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. Lord, I pray that you've spoken to us today. And I pray maybe that you've gotten some of our attention today. We could go back to a million things. We could go back to this, this cruddy, sorry world, invest in it and chase after it. But we've been sent for an eternal cause. Lord, I pray you've changed our hearts today. Lord, I pray for some here that, that do not know you. I pray that today in the hearing of the message of a resurrected Savior once again, that today they might put their faith and their trust and their hope in you. I pray that you work in their hearts as well. I pray that in all of this you've been known and that you're greatly glorified. And I pray all of it in the name of Jesus. Amen.